Hello, welcome back to Adorn Podcast. This is episode 137, and we are continuing our study in First Peter. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So, Casey, we said at the beginning of the study, before we even jumped into 1 Peter, um, that we would encourage everyone, including ourselves, to remember that um, as we're studying and like deep studying texts, it's still important to think about other spiritual disciplines like prayer and meditation and memorizing scripture and different things like that. And so what um, has been kind of an encouragement to you as far as other disciplines or just your walk with the Lord recently? Yeah, I talked about it a little bit, I think, on last week's episode, but um, I feel like prayer has Mm -hmm. just been a huge thing in my life lately. I feel like there's so much going on in the world that I can't tangibly help with, Mm -hmm. and prayer has been just such a big part of... um, doing something (laughs) and that shouldn't be the only time we spend time in prayer but it has really kind of driven me to that discipline more and more just pleading with God and begging God for for mercy and for healing and for peace and um conversations with him too like just I laid in bed last night and I was like God like I'm really struggling with these things like I need your comfort Mm -hmm. I need um direction and he's been so faithful to answer those prayers not always exactly how I hope, but, um, I see his goodness every time. And there have been times when it's been very direct answers, like within hours Mm -hmm. of what I've prayed for. Um, and we're not to treat God like a genie, like that we just go to him when we want something like, that's not what I'm saying at all, but just um, God says in his word to pray and to bring these things to him. And it's how we are supposed to converse with him and have a relationship with him. And it's something that I feel like I've kind of, um, put to the side for a long time. And so doing this, I hope and pray that when things possibly calm down in our world a little bit, that it's a discipline that I continue, Mm. um, to do even when things are good and not chaotic like they are now, but it's just been, um, yeah, it's been really great to to kind of dive into that discipline more in this season. Mm-hmm. What it's about good. you? It's good. Um, I've been memorizing and meditating on Psalms. Um, right now I'm doing Psalms 100, and I do that often through song, like find a song that has just the, the text. Um, so I've been doing Psalm 100 to the, the corner room's version of that song, and I found very similar like to what you're saying is if I start to think about things or dwell on things that are going on in the world or if I you know, get distracted and I'm like, Lord, I want to keep my eyes on you. Yeah, like, How do yeah. I stop getting so distracted by the other things. And, and so I think like focusing on listening to memorizing scripture has really helped me to go, okay, I need to realign myself right now. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's been a good one. It's good. Yeah. It's a good reminder. All right, let's jump back in. We have a lot of text to cover. Um, as you've spent time 
in the homework of this past week, you are familiar with the fact that we're covering almost probably twice as much as next yeah. week at least. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and in this text in particular, there's a kind of like a shift that takes place in the flow yeah. um, or in the style of the writing that Peter's that we've been in. And so you probably noticed that. And if you're a little like caught off guard or like this seems kind of random here. Why is there some Psalms in the middle of this passage? Um, I just hope that you were able to, like we have encouraged, like if something seems weird or you're not sure about something or have questions, like really sit in it and really try and um, let the spirit speak to you. And so hopefully you had a chance to do that this week, but we just want to throw out there that we are aware that this, this um, passage was a little different and had a Mm -hmm. little different um, style, I guess is the word I'm Mm kind of thinking of, but we're kind of going, um, the progression was we were talking about submission and like Christ like um, sacrificial love in the way that we live in the home and in the workplace and in the world. And then he's going to kind of take us to a little bit of encouragement about suffering well, like Christ did, and then just spend a lot of time talking about how Christ suffered and how we are to embrace suffering as well. Um, so I think one good way to think about this is this in this passage, Peter is answering the question, like we've said before, okay, this is really kind of Peter to answer the question, what do I do if my husband's not a believer? Right, or what do you right. know, things like that. How do I work now that I'm a believer? So Peter, in this passage, one of the questions he's helping us answer is, how do I live faithfully for Jesus Christ in a time like this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even though the time that this was written was a very different time than we are in now, like chronologically, yeah. but it, there's a lot of similarities. And we'll see that as we kind of break mm-hmm. down this text of it was... Um, somewhat chaotic during that time like it's somewhat chaotic now there was division like there is division now so there is a lot of similarities and we're allowed to um, not allowed to we're able to draw um, a lot of um, of the same truths Mm -hmm. that would have been with the original audience as well Um, I got a new book this week, which I'm nerding out on. Um, Our friend Courtney Rysick, who's been on the show a couple times, and she's an author, and she's a wonderful teacher. She posted the other day about this book on her Instagram, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I need to order that. It's called The Visual Word, Illustrated Outlines of New Testament Books by Patrick Schreiner. And um, he has just some really helpful ways to think through themes of books. And so when he talks about this passage, um, I think the way he just breaks it down is pretty helpful. So um, he says that we are to suffer for righteousness sake. And we'll see that in verses 13 to 17. Not for evil. We'll see Mm -hmm. that in verses 1 through 6 of chapter 4. And then live in light of the nearness of the end, Mm -hmm. which we'll see Mm -hmm. in verses 7 through 11. And ultimately with Christ as our example. Right, right. It's good. Love it. My father-in-law bought us that book a few months ago, and I keep forgetting about it. It's in our living room, but I forget that we have it. Yeah, so now I'm like, helpful. oh, I, I totally like the, should have used it. Yeah, he uses like little picture logo <laughs> things, which if you're a visual person like me, yeah. then that's really helpful. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to pick up chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, which say, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to you, the, uh, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. And all those things sound like, oh, I could do that. That should be easy. But then when you actually get, you know, into life with people and, you know, it's like, wait a second, (laughs) I am supposed to be unified with you? Like, Mm -hmm. that's really hard. I'm supposed to have Mm -hmm. sympathy and a tender heart. But but look at how 
different you are than mm-hmm. me like it gets it's can be messy and I think one thing that's really helpful is Alistair Begg um, had a great teaching on this passage and he said we have to remember the gospel here and that's you know what we've been saying all the way from the beginning is if you were to just read that it could be crushing it could feel like oh that's my gosh how am I going to be unified how am yeah. I going to always show love and have a humble mind and not repay evil like you didn't see what they posted on my Facebook comments like you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah. like it, it can yeah. feel very crushing but he reminds us he says Peter isn't telling us that if we do these things, we're going to earn points for heaven or that if we do these things, we will earn heaven itself. But instead, he's saying you are chosen, you are called, you are powered by the spirit. You're born again by living hope. You're purifying yourself by obedience to the truth. These are all things Peter has said up until this point in the letter. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's saying because all of that is true, because you are born again, here are the essential characteristics that will flow from your lives. The difference is vitally important because if we don't see that these things are going to flow naturally from our lives, we're going to fall into despair because we cannot do it on our right, own. Right. And that's such a good point, right? Like that, the saying you've probably heard before is like a tree can't force itself to grow fruit, mm-hmm. but a healthy tree that is rooted is going to naturally grow fruit. fruit. And it's the same thing in our lives. He's saying, these are the things that are going to flow out of your lives. You're mm-hmm. going to grow in unity. You're going to grow in sympathy. You're going to grow grow in love and humility. And these are characteristics we will start to notice in Mm -hmm. ourselves and in other believers when we're being rooted in that living hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he stays in this theme kind of into chapter four of this. What does um, being united to Christ, like what does that naturally produce? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a very important thing to keep at the front of our minds as we go through this. Like Mm -hmm. Aaron said, this is not something we have to force. This should be natural fruit of being a believer. Yeah. Um, I love how Sproul, Aaron kind of brought out the fact that unity is one of the hardest things listed here. And I love how Sproul in his commentary um, talks about this. He says, this does not mean that the people are to set aside their own. He's talking about the church. He's talking about unity within the church, that people are to set aside their own perceptions and viewpoints and slavishly embrace everything that everyone else in the congregation believes. That is what you expect to find in a cult, not a church. (laughs) I was like, ooh, ouch. (laughs) We all come from different backgrounds and we are to bring to the church different perspectives. Discarding those differences is not required for unity. Peter's plea here is that believers have agreement on substantive matters. Mm. We are to share one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And I think that this is really a place where Satan's trying to attack our churches right now. He's um, making us forget the main things. He's he's causing this disunity over things that don't really matter, not over doctrine or theology, but these like cultural mm-hmm. ideologies is what Aaron said before we started talking and um, on the podcast. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. And that's one of the things that keeps me up at night is that... Um, we're supposed to have unity as a church. The Bible is very clear on that. So this was very, very convicting and um, very timely when I read that part. Yeah. Another translation for that word unity um, is harmony, um, which I, I just think that's so beautiful. And I heard in, in a sermon that he was saying, if we only ever had 
tubas. I don't know why tuba came to mind, but if we only ever had tubas, like if everybody in the church, mm. like you said, set aside all their differences yeah. and tried to be exactly the same, that We're would not, <laughs> it would not sound as beautiful right. and as, you know, as much depth as if we are all different instruments yeah. creating harmony yeah. together, like a symphony. And mm-hmm. I think that's just a beautiful picture and reminder to us that we don't have to cast aside all differences. You know, mm-hmm. we are to find our identity in the fact that we are beloved children of God. And then that's what unifies us. And we're able to be unified with someone who looks different, has a completely different experience, you know, has a different job, Mm -hmm. has a different neighborhood because the most important thing about us that we are children of God is the same. Then everything else has less weight Mm -hmm. and we're able to, um, join together. Well, and you can take that example even further. If you're thinking about a symphony, like if you've ever been in like an orchestra or Mm -hmm. something like as a child or, you know, like in school, the first few times you play all together and you try to play as one, it sounds horrible. Right. That's a good point. Like it takes time. It takes time. And that's Mm. one thing the Lord's really been teaching me over the past few years is like taking the long view of things and knowing that like the first time you do something, it's not going to be perfect. Mm. And, um, really being able to invest in relationships in the long term. And it's like that at church. Like the Mm -hmm. first time you come to church, things might feel awkward. You might have some weird conversations. But as time goes on, as you do life together, as you live together, as you live in community, as you have those hard conversations, it really does produce this like beautiful harmony yeah and so yeah it can be such a beautiful thing okay we've got to move on because we have so much to cover but Mm -hmm. um some of the other things that it talks about here are sympathy some um translation says compassion that's being passionate about the same things Mm. saying i feel your pain and meaning it Mm. like when your child is hurt by another kid at school or whatever and that pain that Mm. you feel for them that is the pain that you should be feeling for your brothers and sisters in Christ brotherly love again saying I might not always agree with you but you're my brother or my sister and so I love you I'm going to stick with you Mm. a tender heart opposite of rough kind of like what we talked about last week when we were talking about being meek and quiet that doesn't mean being weak or not having strength, but just being gentle, um, a humble mind. And if you remember, humility has been a huge theme throughout this whole book so far. Um, it's just a reminder that the call to holy living is a call to humility mm-hmm. and putting others before yourself. This whole thing is about putting others before yourself. Um And then when it says, do not repay evil for evil, like we tell our kids, just because your sister hit you doesn't mean you should hit her back. Mm -hmm. Um, Kill them with kindness. You know, all these things that we tell our kids, like, be kind to them. On the contrary, it says, bless them. And this goes against what we want to do naturally. And it's really interesting because we actually had this conversation with the girls yesterday because we were reading about Hammurabi's code. Um way back in BC times. And one of the things was an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Mm. And so we went to that passage, which is actually in Leviticus, but then Jesus comes back in Matthew and says, you have heard it said this, but Mm. I say, turn the other cheek. And because of Jesus and the forgiveness that he's offered us, we don't have to do eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Like Mm -hmm. we can turn the other cheek and we forgive we can forgive people. We don't have to hit them if they hit us. Yeah. And he even goes farther than that. He doesn't just say ignore it, right? Like in right. this passage, exactly. it says, 
don't repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but, but on the contrary, them. bless. Yes, yes, exactly. If someone takes your cloak, give them yours, mm-hmm. it, you know, like, yeah. or something like that. It was something about a cloak. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> something like that. Um, so, yeah, it's just, again, like, the whole heart of this is putting others before yourself. Right, right. That's a good way to say it. Okay, moving on, verses 10 through 12. It says, for whoever desires to live, no, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him, let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So this is from Psalm 34, and it was written by David when he was in exile running from Saul. So what an encouragement this would have been to the readers, because they would have been familiar with this passage. Mm-hmm. They would have known who wrote it. They would have probably have it had it memorized. Mm-hmm. And so it would have just been a reminder to them that they're not the first to live as an exile. Um, that David, David went through that too. And this, in this season of, like we've said several times, like chaos, that has been such a comfort to me reading the Psalms, especially the Psalms when David was like running from his enemies and like hiding in the caves and just the way he um, cried out to the Lord and the way he worshiped the Lord through all of that um, has been encouragement to me too. So I love that Peter was using his words to encourage the people in the early church. And those words are still so encouraging to us in the church of 2021. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I mean, like you said, they would have had it memorized. Um, and so even though he doesn't quote the entire thing, like he's, he's quoting verses 12 to 16 of Psalm 34, but they would have known all the, all the whole thing, right. which right. really makes a difference. I'm going to read the first few verses of Psalm 34. Cause I feel like it makes sense of the verses that are in this passage. So some of this will sound familiar to you probably. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer and want and hunger. And those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And then it goes into this passage that we just read. And I think that helps us to understand what Peter's trying to do here. Peter is trying to show them, like we said at the beginning, like how to live faithfully. And he's saying one of the ways that we do that, that we see in this passage is we want to, we long to live a good life and a a good life means avoiding evil. And a, and a way to do that is to first taste and see that the Lord is good Mm -hmm. and to have his praise continually in your mouth. Mm -hmm. If you're constantly praising God and resting and tasting and seeing that he is good, you're not going to run after evil things. You're not going to be able to curse your brother at the same time you're quoting yourself Bible verses you know what I mean like so so it is it's a it's a very practical way for us even now like you're saying to to spend time in the Psalms so that we're like I said like the one that I'm memorizing right now it's a serve the Lord with gladness is one of the verses and so I'm constantly like 
whenever I don't feel mm-hmm. like I'm serving the Lord with gladness, I'm like, Lord, help me to believe this. Yeah. Help me to do this. Yeah. Um, and so that's Absolutely. kind of what he's doing here is he's, yeah. you know, bringing to mind things they would have known and had memorized, mm-hmm. but maybe are not mm-hmm. remembering. That's good. That's good. One of the lines that really stood out, um, to me of this passage was when it said, seek peace and pursue it. Mm. And, um, in the commentary I was reading the Sproul commentary, he was talking about that and how, um, it wasn't saying just like, let peace come to you. It was talking Uh, about how we have to actively Mm -hmm. pursue that Mm -hmm. peace. And one of my favorite verses is John 14, 27. It says, peace. I live with you. My peace. I give to you. Not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. And I think part of the reason, um, Peter was saying you have to really pursue that peace is because it's not what the world offers. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at the world, they're constantly trying to offer you like this false peace. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not the peace that Jesus gives us. And so I was thinking about that. I was like, what does peace look like to the world? And I think we can see this a lot of places right now. I think the world would say like, Peace can look like safety or Mm -hmm. health or normalcy Mm -hmm. or maybe even a perfectly clean house. Mm -hmm. But for us as Christians, like what should it look like? And I had this song stuck in my head last week that I've got peace like river, Mm -hmm. but it's I've got peace like a river in my soul. And that's so different than this like outside external mm-hmm. peace of being healthy, of feeling safe, mm-hmm. of all of these things. Like peace in your soul is truly finding rest in the sovereignty of God. And mm-hmm. so this verse just kind of made me pause for a minute and think, you know, the world is trying to offer us all this peace and it doesn't feel very peaceful. And the only true peace is found in the Lord. Mm, that's good. That's good. All right. Verses 13 through 17. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good that if it should be God's will than for doing evil. So the first thing I thought when I read this passage as well as that first passage that or one of the first passages we read was, oh, like this could easily be interpreted Mm -hmm. as like prosperity gospel or works based gospel. Um, And so I think it's a good reminder. And Aaron already brought that out before I had even said anything about that, but that it's not about points. It's not Mm -hmm. earning um, our salvation. Being in Christ leads to this desire for holy living and then there is blessing because because of that sometimes here on earth in the life we live now but the ble- the true blessing is going to come when Jesus returns mm-hmm. but like Aaron said earlier the there there should just be this natural fruit this desire that comes from um, being in Christ yeah. um, it's not it's not about points or anything like that we're not earning anything mm-hmm. um, verse 
15, where it says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So this is um, kind of the basis for a lot of like apologetics where people start talking about um, being able to defend your faith. And it's funny because I mentioned that last week without really thinking about what we were Mm -hmm. talking about this week. And, um, I'd said that last week, sometimes the answer is just because the Bible says so. Mm -hmm. And it is. Um, But what if the person comes back and says, but why do you believe the Bible's true? Mm -hmm. Like, what does it matter that the Bible says that? Do you believe it's the inspired word of God? Do you believe it's infallible? And so it's important to be able to defend the basic Mm -hmm. foundations of our faith. And that's what Peter's saying here. Like, we need need to be able to be ready to... defend these things there were a lot of in in this time um there were a lot of false things being said about christians and so it was important for those christians to be able to say no we don't sacrifice our children that's not part of Mm -hmm. the of the christian life no we don't um do this or do that and so it's so important for us to have just a foundational um understanding of, of our beliefs. Vody Bauckham has great stuff on this. I also love the book Mama Bear Apologetics. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not a mama bear, if you're not a mom, if it's you're, still it's still such a good, just like foundational apologetics book. Yeah. I think, um, Tim Keller's Jesus, the King yes. is really good too. Mm-hmm. He has a couple different, um, apologetics. The reason for God. Reason is good. for God. Yeah. 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 He has a few good ones. Yeah. He has really good stuff on this too. And it's just, you can go down a bunch of like rabbit holes <laughs> with apologetics mm-hmm. and you don't want to spend all your time, you know, it's important to be in the word and, and not get like consumed by um, studying a specific thing, but it's, it's biblical and it's good to be able to defend your faith. Yeah, you're right. It's reason for God. I said the wrong title. Jesus, the King is also a good book by Tim Keller, but that's about the gospel of Mark. So sorry. <laughs> Scratch I that. mean, Whoop. Mark's good too. Um, but the one of the most important things about this is, okay, when you defend your faith, to do it with grace and gentleness. It's like, it's funny respect. that he, I'm glad that he says that 100%. <laughs> yes. But it's funny that he feels like he has to say that again when the entire time he's been saying, be gentle, be kind, mm. be Christ-like. And then he's like, y'all still are not getting it, so... Even when you're doing good, even when you're defending your faith, still gentleness, humility, let's remember those things, friends. It's because of the meme you shared with me. (laughs) So there was this meme, and it's talking about when people with two different ideas come together, they can be like Mentos and a diet soda and explode over some specific passages. Yeah. And... It, it really is should so not accurate. Be that way, it should but, not be that way. Right. But that's the reason here. He's yeah. like, okay, maybe you have like your daily living, like with with grace and brotherly love and humility. But when you start talking doctrine, you mm-hmm. might get fired up. Yeah. So remember, remember <laughs> gentleness. Yeah. And I mean, I've probably been. I grew up in the Bible Belt. I kind of had the very wrong assumption that most people knew what the Bible was, and most people believe that it's mm. true. And um, so. It was a wake up call when yeah. I went to a call to a Christian college. Mm-hmm. It was a wake up call. And there were times when I was probably pretty arrogant and not kind and not gentle. Mm. And the Lord's still working on that with me. Um, 
I don't always say things out loud, but I have lots <laughs> in my heart. So this is definitely a point of conviction for me. And then just again, at the end of this, he says, when you are slandered, mm. we have seen this over and over and over. So when you see something repeated, you need to pay attention. And um, this could have been encouragement to the people reading this to persevere either even when people are questioning their intentions like maybe that was something that was going on a lot so maybe that's Mm -hmm. why Peter was driving that home um I like that he's driving that home because it's a reminder to me because I feel like as Christians like we're hearing a lot a lot of things that aren't true about our faith and so just to remember to persevere through that is is a good reminder Mm, that's good okay verses 18 through 22 For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as the removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subject to him. I'm sure everybody got this one really easy and like the homework was no problem and you just like read it and you're like, I know exactly what that means. Yeah, it's just so crazy to me because I feel like (laughs) Peter's been so like cut and dry about things like... You know, I mean, even though it's not easy to live out what he's been talking about, it's been fairly easy to understand. Okay, I know what sympathy is. know what brotherly love is. Hard to do these things, but I get it. And then all of a sudden he's talking about proclaiming to the spirits in prison and the flood and like what What? is going on here. What's happening? (laughs) So there are a lot of different interpretations of this of this text talking about like Jesus going back. Some people think that like his spirit did go back in the or was in the time of Noah proclaiming to the people. Um, You get into the Apostles Creed with um, descending into hell. Mm. And when did that happen? Did that happen? You know, like, does the Bible mean this literally? I mean, there's just so many things. Mm But once again, our buddy Sproul just always sums things up so perfectly. (laughs) He says, the context in which Peter writes these things is to encourage us that our suffering is used by God as a testimony for righteousness and is accompanied by the Holy Spirit to bring about the Spirit's purpose of redemption. In the same manner by which our Lord, who was raised by the Spirit, went and preached and saw so much fruit. Mm. So again, keeping the main thing the main thing, the whole point is that the Holy Spirit is with you and helps you spread the gospel, like share the good news. Um, He did it for Jesus. He'll do it for us. Um, And then Sproul at the end of this part and in in the commentary, he says he will be quick to ask Peter when he sees him in glory, what he meant by these words. Cause Sproul was like, I don't know that I'm (laughs) interpreting it right. So I'm going to ask Peter when I get to heaven, Mm -hmm. what he means. And then my first thought was, I wonder if he asked him, Uh, like, I wonder if Peter and Sproul are up there like, having coffee Chatting like, about it. and then I'm going to push Peter out of his seat so I can join Sproul for coffee. <laughs> I love that you'd rather sit with Sproul than actually Peter. So. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but I'm not wrong. That's so, funny. so yeah, so that's a really hard piece. And then you get into the baptism thing, which 
Um, when you break it down, I feel like it's a little bit easier mm-hmm. to understand. Um, the important part here is that bapti- baptism is not what provides justification. It's easy to misinterpret that because it says baptism, um, which corresponds to this now saves you. Mm-hmm. It is not what gives us our salvation. Um, And that's actually part of what the whole like Protestant Reformation was about because Mm -hmm. the Catholic Church was saying that this like sacrament of baptism was was salvation. And um, we know that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone. Mm -hmm. It's a symbol of what Jesus has done by washing away our sins in his in his death and resurrection. Um, And then my Bible note said, baptism symbolizes judgment on sin and the death of Christ, and then also renewal of life. And so it's this idea, it's really interesting idea because this water in the days of Noah, it was judgment. It's what killed so Mm -hmm. many people. It's what wiped away the earth, but then it's also what saved Mm -hmm. Noah and his family, God bringing them through the water. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah. I think like you're saying that the water is kind of a theme that we see throughout scripture as, as kind of those two things, right? Like judgment, but also life. But we also see water as like a symbol of chaos. Um, And then, so we see that in creation where it says the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Like there was chaos and God always brings order and life Mm -hmm. through that chaos and we see that in Moses when he was put in the river we see that like you're in Noah we see that we see that um often uh, throughout Mm -hmm. scripture there's more examples but um so we that that kind of would have they would have noticed that right they would have caught on to that language of understanding what water symbolized Mm -hmm. but also um one of the things I read talking about where where you just said that where it says baptism now saves you not as removal from dirt from the body he that was kind of correcting some um maybe theology is not the right word but some misbelief about devaluing baptism almost oh. like to them they're like well really it's just like literally watching you physically yeah. and they yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. fully grasp the fact like no this is what God is this using this is an important symbol yes yeah. yes of what you're outwardly showing what God mm-hmm. has done inwardly and so kind of correcting some of that misbelief maybe misbelief isn't the right word but misvaluing mm-hmm. of of um of baptism yeah yeah that makes sense i just really like verse 18 i don't think I've slowed down and and read it, but I think it's such a really clear gospel presentation. I'm just gonna read that verse again and just like let it sit for a minute. But it says, "For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit." I mean. There's Trinity language there, which, you know, I'm always going to point out, but also like, that's the truth for us. That's what Mm -hmm. everything hinges on that his suffering once for sins is what brings us to God Mm -hmm. and that his death to the flesh and his coming alive in the spirit is what's true for us. Yeah. Right. We lay down our lives and we get to be indwelt with the spirit Mm -hmm. because of his suffering, the righteous for the unrighteous. Yeah, his death was sufficient, mm-hmm. which was a new idea for them because they had they right. had been um, under a sacrificial system, right? Brought up believing that every time they sinned, they had right. to make a sacrifice. Right. So this idea that his once sacrifice was enough for not only them but for future generations—that's mm-hmm. just that's huge. Yeah, yeah. Okay, moving on to four one, chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. 
Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead for this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead that through that though judged in the flesh the way people are they might live in the spirit the way god does i was uh reading you know i've said on here before i've been going through first peter with my kids and i was like how is this going to translate in their bibles i'm like i don't want to have to explain what an orgies means like <laughs> but it just said like parties and very evil bad parties or something like that it. and I, I was like it. very evil okay. bad parties <laughs> dodged a bullet there um but in the commentary I read that this as we open up chapter four um Peter again is returning us to Christ's suffering but this time like with a different angle so um yeah. often what we'll see in scripture or in, in any writing really is that kind of bringing us back to a different theme, bringing us back to mm-hmm. a different point, but kind of viewing it from different angles for different purposes. He's saying that now, um, so in the end of chapter three, he was encouraging us mm-hmm. with with Christ's vindication um, through suffering. And now he's um, writing about Christ's suffering to call us to embrace it. And I liked those two words together. Like he was encouraging us and now he's calling us to embrace right. it. Um, so that's kind of just a little helpful lens on, on where he's going mm-hmm. with this. Mm-hmm. But again, some kind of tricky things. Yeah. Want to help us yeah. break that down? Maybe. Um, <laughs> so we see at the very beginning, this is similar to how Paul tells us to put on the armor of God. And Peter's telling us again to go into battle. Um, and the way to do that is by first thinking like Jesus. And it's funny because I was reading um, in the Sproul commentary and he basically said, Jen Wilkin has said before that she gets her quote, um, the heart cannot know what the, the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. She has said before she gets it from Sproul mm-hmm. and I can't remember where it was. I underlined it, but he basically said the same thing. And just as, just how important our, our thinking is, yeah. um, and how we are to have a mind like Jesus. Um, so, um, again, like it's kind of that put off, put on thing. So the other things he was telling us to put on. And then now he's telling us um, all of these things kind of to put off. And once again, when we're regenerated, we desire to not sin. Just like we desire to live in that holy way, we desire to also not sin. We no longer want to live in the ways of the world. Um, And so if you were saved at a young age, like I was, you probably didn't turn from like drunkenness. And I always thought mm. I didn't have a great testimony because I couldn't say, right. well, like I stopped doing drugs yeah, or yeah. I, you know, some huge, some change, huge yeah. thing. But the truth is we're still having to reject those things each and every day. Like, yeah, maybe when you were little, you didn't have to turn from that. But now we're still having to choose to not live in the way of the world. And we're still having to reject those things. And so, um, yeah, this is just what the, what it's saying is the world's going to want you to live this certain way, but don't. Like, this is what holy living looks like. This is what um, living for Christ looks like. And 
you need to reject these things. It's not going to be easy because people aren't going to understand. Right. They'll malign you. Um, but they'll have to give account for it someday. And then, and so will you. Like, they'll be judged and you'll be judged mm-hmm. by either not so good works or your good works. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Verses 7 through 11. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God's, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So verse 7 is another one that is debated, and there are several interpretations. I feel like there's a lot in this um, in this section section mm-hmm. um actually all of first peter really let's be honest <laughs> like it's all like debated but um some of the different things people say it might mean is the destruction of the temple which comes mm-hmm. after this is written in AD 70 which would have been huge like it would have basically been like the end of all things for mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. um it, it would have seemed like it the final consummation when Jesus returns maybe he was talking about that or mm-hmm. maybe just the fact that death is imminent and certain for all of us mm-hmm. like we don't know when we're going to die but we do know that our flesh will die mm-hmm. but the point here is to make the most of our days and to live for the Lord just that our our days are numbered and we are not the one that numbers them God is the one that numbers them and um, just to keep that in perspective I like that he says self-controlled and sober-minded because it kind of comes back to that tension of like your head heart and hands like Mm -hmm. okay maybe your head is thinking okay you know keeping eternity in mind but your heart and your hands are not living that way or vice versa maybe you're you're kind of acting out knowing that the end is at hand but your your mind is constantly dwelling on things of this earth right. and so he's right. calling us to both like both of your them. head yeah. your heart and your hands all need to remember that you know eternity is at hand and like let's live for that yeah yeah that's really good and I think your point earlier about like putting away those distractions mm-hmm. I think that's one of the best ways we can be sober-minded because mm-hmm. there's so much coming at us right now so much information and so focusing on God's word focusing on the truth focusing on our family right around us I think that's one of the ways that that we can be sober-minded yeah um where it says love covers a multitude of sins um that kind of took me back to where first Corinthians says um it keeps no records of wrongs Mm. that's what that means it means love doesn't harp on every little thing it doesn't mean that our love of people is what like covers their sins in terms of salvation Mm -hmm. but it means that we're not keeping records of wrong and we should be the ones as brothers and sisters in Christ to say point them to the truth yes Mm -hmm. but not to call out their every sin not Mm -hmm. to put their sin on display our love should should cover that yeah I asked um, Harper after we read this I said what's kind of like your big takeaway from this and she said she was thinking about verse nine where it says show hospitality to one another Mm. without grumbling. She's like, I think what I think of is like when someone comes into our new house and their shoes are dirty, we like, we shouldn't, 
get upset at them for bringing dirt in our house, but we should just welcome them into our home. And I was like, that's like a really good yeah. practical yeah. takeaway of how good. to apply that passage mm-hmm. is like show hospitality without grumbling. Mm-hmm. I thought that was good. Yeah. <laughs> and then the end of this, um, I loved in once again in the commentary, this commentary is really good. Sproul talked about what does it mean to him be the glory and dominion mm-hmm. forever and mm-hmm. ever? Like what does the fact that God is glorious, what does that mean? And he really focused on um, just the attributes of God, like his um, eternality, Mm -hmm. um, the fact that he is self-existent. These are some big words and big concepts that you can look up, but the fact that he's omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, Mm -hmm. all of these big things, all of these things are what encompass the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And so I love how this section right here, it, it ends with just reminding us of who God is yeah, and how, and reminding us that the reason we are living all of these things that Peter is telling us to live is in light of the glory of God. Well, there's so many good things that we could talk about from here that are so practical, like where it says um, in serve by the strength that God supplies. So we're not serving out of our own strength. We're not serving because we're really good at serving this way. And I'm just going to try a little harder and be better. Like we're serving by God's Mm -hmm. strength and the gifts and the grace that he has provided for us. So, I mean, we could think about how that practically applies to our life, but I also really like how it talks about if you've been given this gift, serve with that Mm, gift in this way for God's glory. So if you've been given the gift of a beautiful voice and you can bring, you know, serve your church in the worship, like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do that. That's not Mm -hmm. the gift God has given me. So it's like a good call to reminder, which we used to say all the time, but we haven't said it all in this series is like, stay in your lane. Like God has supplied you with a specific gift. And so if you're going to spend time being jealous of someone else's gift or trying to live out someone else's gift, like the most you can glorify God is by using Mm -hmm. the gifts he's given you by his strength for his glory and praise him for those things. Yeah. They are good gifts. Yes. They're good gifts. Yes. All right. Next week we'll be back. Yes. We'll be back with, I believe the rest of four. Yes. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobbs.